Good morning, and welcome back to another episode of Sweetness and Light, featuring me, one of your hosts, Eric Mark, and me, Justin, aka Justy. Dude, how you doing? Pretty good, thanks, buddy. It's it's uh, been a little while. We we've we've had some ups and downs and some some interruptions, but we are back. And uh, uh, unlike uh, unlike some other people in the world, our uh, our mansions were not raided. <laughs> Thank God, right? Yeah. Thank God. Well, yeah, because, because yeah. Between the proliferation of porn and just total nothingness they'd find, it would be a total waste of time on everyone's part. Yeah, just a little humiliating. They'd be like, oh, wow, those, <laughs> those, guys, those, guys, those guys have and do nothing. <laughs> but that's what makes it so entertaining at the same time, though, don't you think? Well, it forces you to be creative. Absolutely. Uh, living, in your, living in your imagination. Now, to Eric's point, one of the things that's gone on on our side is that we joked about it, I think, in the last episode, that Kelly had gone back in time and gotten Delta or <laughs> some other <laughs> horrible variant. And I'm here to report that she has had it officially, uh, I think, 15 days now. What? And she still has the cough. But she just this morning got her taste buds back. Wow. Congratulations. That's interesting. Usually it goes the other way. I mean, in, in you know, when I had the COVID, um, my symptoms were pretty much gone, you know, certainly in, in the in the regular 10 days or so. But the uh, lack of or altered taste and smell in my case, not not lack of, but altered lasted weeks, if not months. Well, that's what. And so, the, what made it funny to me was she had the exact same. She's the only other person that it was just your same symptoms where she tried a coke and was like, "Ugh, gross." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, like, who doesn't like coke? That's my point. I mean, it almost drove her to Pepsi, which we know that that that's, that's yeah. it's embarrassing. Who right? does like Pepsi? Oh. <laughs> exactly, and actually, my son. Seth wanted to get into, just speaking of soft drinks and the side note here, wanted to get into Stranger Things. So we started watching it and we're on the episode where they try new Coke and one of the guys goes, yeah. oh, how could you not love this? This is so much better, so much sweeter. And everyone looks at him and goes, you're out of the group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting phenomenon. Certainly, you know, one of the, the great uh, business misadventures or successes of all time. You know, I mean, there's... I guess the the Coke marketing person who introduced it was uh, was fired and then brought back because, they, you know, they it uh, Coke New Coke was a huge disaster, you know, and the sales plummeted, but then they were able to re, uh, reintroduce old Coke uh, as Coke Classic, and uh, have two brands, and between the two of them, have way more market share than they had previously. Which is so crazy. I mean, because I remember as a kid. My parents running to the store, they were so excited about Coke Classic that they bought, I don't think I'm exaggerating, probably 24 cans of it or something like that. And they went home, wow. stuck it in the fridge, and we all had a Coke that afternoon. Wow. That's good parenting. See, very rarely can I say that about my parents, that it was good parenting. Yeah. Uh, most of the time it was, you know, we were able to all survive each other kind of parenting. Yeah. But yeah. this was a, an example of sheer... Uh, Beauty, beauty. I mean, you what you guys had was sort of like a prison alliance. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, okay, well, uh, you know, a little some factionalism, and we'll let you guys, uh, we'll let you guys survive if you let us guys survive. Um, I, I think maybe you summarized some, it beautifully. Yeah, maybe with some uh, some cigarettes and uh, and pantyhose uh, smuggled in from time to time. It was mostly for my mom alcohol, and for my dad, it was just you know him being able to leave us alone. And the pantyhose were for you. 
Um, I don't know why you say that questioningly. Of course they were. <laughs> well, everyone needs something over their face. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So I was going to say when you got gams like mine, but yeah, I like where you, I like where you took that. I'll, I'll run with that. Yeah. 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 So, um, Hey, uh, episode three of, uh, Broken Road just dropped yesterday. So our uh, scripted podcast. I'm so excited. Now, how's it? Like, are you happy with how it's going? Like, are you because I've listened to the first episode. I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm going to listen to the next two. I love where you're going with this. I think it's recorded beautifully. I think the sound, all of it, it's fantastic. And I love thanks, the sound thanks. effects. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been it's been quite an adventure for, uh, you know, we've talked about it sporadically on the show, but um, our good friend uh, EJ Kavunas, uh, who, um, who, among many other things, hosted a uh, movie and music club during the pandemic. Uh, that we we met weekly on Zoom, and then uh, uh, and and who uh, who regularly hosts um, little get-togethers with uh, drinks and and good food and and good cheer, um, had produced a film uh, with our other you know another friend of the show AJ Tesler, yeah, um, Hero Mode that came out just uh, a couple years ago, and uh, starring uh, Sean Astin and Mira Servino. And then his nice. next film project was supposed to be uh, Broken Road, which I was co-producing with him. And, uh, you know, we started uh, raising funds. We had a script. We'd, uh, we'd uh, cast and everything. And then this, uh, this pandemic hit. And so, uh, you know, some, a lot of projects got pushed back. Some people, you know, people did stuff in the latter part of the, uh, the pandemic. We figured, you know what, let's just regroup and uh, turn it into a scripted podcast. And, uh, you know, hired one of the writers from uh, Fear the Walking Dead to uh, rewrite, you know, the feature into more of an episodic thing. Uh, he wrote uh, eight of the episodes. DJ actually wrote two of them. And um, you didn't write any of Me? No, no, no. So oh. I uh, I was surprised It's because it some of it sounds a little bit like you. And based on some of the stuff you did in the past, I was just curious. But I have a question because that, that's what I've always wondered, because I listened to the first episode. I'm like, why wasn't this film? And now that makes total sense because you guys were going straight to the pandemic, you know, the conundrum that we were all going through. And rather than wait to film, you guys went into the podcasting smart move. Yeah. Yeah. With the idea that, you know, you know, assuming that this has a, a great success and interest that we will turn it back into a feature or into a, a TV series one way or the other, you know, given now that we ha have it laid out as more of a episodic type of entertainment. I was going to say, I think it actually worked better because of the, I mean, just even the first episode, like I said, the way it lays the found work and everything else, it would be a badass series. I don't know where it goes, you know, for the next six, seven oh, yeah. episodes, yeah, but yeah. good luck. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Well, based on a short story by a Canadian author. And, of course. And, Eric, you don't uh, have to tell anyone this. They all know, any loyal listener knows that no product is certified by Eric Mark or EGCM unless there's a Canadian besides yourself involved. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And so as a result of, you know, EJ, uh, EJ saw this, uh, this short story and snapped up the rights, you know, Ooh. to, uh, uh, for other media. And uh, that was the genesis of this and where, where we are right now. So, so yeah, if you want to go, it's broken road. You can find it on all of your favorite, uh, podcasting uh, platforms and also at uh, recursor.tv, which you should check out anyway, because it's, uh, EJ's team's, uh, sci-fi, uh, um, website, a lot of, okay. Uh, so I was going to ask you, cause you mentioned that before, but I wasn't sure what it was cause I went to it. So it's their, it's their company kind of basically, right? Yeah. It's one of his companies. So he's, uh, okay. yeah, you, you know, EJ is a former consultant turned investment banker, uh, turned, um, 
movie producer and uh, and entertainment producer in general. Well, and we'll also pour, uh, you know, put on our site the link to this, I think, as well, especially by episode if we want to. Absolutely. Yeah. No, good, good call. So uh, love to hear what you think. Let us know. Uh, a bit of a different tone from uh, Sweetness and Light, but um, equally engrossing. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it here. This is fantastic. So I'm going to definitely check out two and three today if I can, if I can make time this afternoon because I got to be in the car a little bit. So I'll be listening to it. So congrats, dude. That's huge. So you can listen to things while you're driving. Nice. Nice. Uh, believe it or not, I can actually sometimes multitask. Not well, but I can. You're not one of these people who watches shows while driving or something. Uh, no, that's the rest of the Texas population. <laughs> there is actually an interesting article in The Atlantic today just talking about uh, um, the the uh, demise of the manual transmission car and how less than you know 2% of cars these days are are manual and that takes away one more example of us losing our connection with machines as machines take over we're becoming less connected to them at least at uh you know with a manual it was more of an extension of your body and yourself interesting yeah because you had to pay a lot of attention i mean yeah i stalled a manual car i don't think i'm exaggerating probably a thousand times in my lifetime (laughs) i did not do that many times in fact all the cars i've actually ever owned have been manual interestingly this is my sobs and my porsche and everything and um you were with me when uh, when the transmission in, in one of the Saabs uh, uh, finally went out, when the, when the, when the clutch on died. On the and... freeway of all places. We were coming well, back the... from, like, I think the Museum of Art or something, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. and Justy mentions that offhand, but it just, uh, just reminds you how cultured we all are. absolutely well the best part was eric um was to put it in context here part of what made it so funny and eric did not find this funny i could not stop laughing and i will say before he even says that oh yeah because it happens and justy (laughs) breaks out laughing on the on the entrance ramp from la cienega onto the onto the 10 well the best part i can't even say this i mean when i say breaks out laughing 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 harder and longer than maybe you you you, i've ever heard you which is saying a lot And I could tell Eric still has a little bit of uh, anger towards me laughing. Every, and I'll time, try I to keep that, it every time I drive up that uh, that egress onto the freeway, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm justy. <laughs> a little PTSD. Yeah. Um, he so we were getting on, and Eric, for those that don't know, has a little bit of a of a racing edge to him, which I don't blame him for. His car was very fast and sporty, and. He went and was trying to beat this. I think it was a Audi or something. Well, I mean, try we did very successfully beat it. Yeah, very. And then all of a sudden, he went to put it in gear, and it made this sound. (laughs) All you hear from Eric is that didn't sound good, and I could not stop laughing like I am now, just because his face. And we pull over the side of the road, and if you've never been on an LA freeway. In a convertible, in it, it wasn't super heavy traffic, but it, you know, I mean, people fly on the freeway down there when there's no traffic. It was, it was definitely intimidating. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh, but, but as far as the racing, yeah. So you know, some some people comment on my driving, driving skills, driving style. But I'll tell you this: my old um, roommate, who was, you know, uh, drove on like at one of the uh, NASCAR smaller circuits, not the not the big the circuit, but but drove like on like you know, sort of sea level NASCAR. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, he said to me quite earnestly, he goes, you're the best non-race car driver driver that I've ever met. Now, was he drunk? No, but I think that he was reflecting on my, st- you know, so my style may be more suited for the track than the, than the, uh, uh, than the freeway or, or, or public roads. But, uh, for those of you who are 
if, if that's what your goal is, I'm doing it right. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, that. I mean, to your credit, though, I've never seen you get an accident. Okay? No. I mean, and well, people call me Mr. Safety. Well, by people, you mean you, because I remember we were in the car on that same journey, I think, and you were swerving in out of traffic. I'm like, Eric, you got to stop swerving. And he's like, but I put my signal on <laughs> every single time. And swerving is the wrong word. Switching lanes. Yeah, I'm not swerving. I'm switch consciously switching with signals. I've signaled every not only every turn, but every lane change I've ever made, including in parking lots. I signal signal when I'm turning uh, again. It's an aggressive signal, not a, hey, can you let me over? It's, by the way, I'm coming over. Well, yeah. By the way, I mean, <laughs> anybody, you know, any, any any driving theorist will tell you, for one thing, you know, when you're entering or exiting a freeway or merging lanes, use the scissor, me scissor method. People all complain about the person who drives up to the front on the one lane, you know, when, when two lanes are coming together. But that's the way you should, if everyone did that and then let people in, one car from one lane, one in the next, one from the other, original, one from the second, it would be much more efficient and work much better. Uh, of course, but that's not how humanity works. Well, again, I'm trying to create a better world. And Eric, that that's your epitaph right there. Yeah. Trying to create a better world, even in death, right? Uh, I missed the last word you said. There was a beep on my end. And uh, yes, trying to create a world, a better world, and then just silence. Oh, well, let's see if we can edit that out. If not, it adds for some nice, you know, true life weirdness. Yeah. But what, what I said was... Um, uh, I said that uh, that's your epitaph. Like, that's try. Right. Yeah, that's, okay. I heard and all I said, that. But even I think I just in the last death, word. Yes. That's I just said, I mean. even in death, you're wow. you know, still trying okay. to make a better world. See? So then, for for our listeners who forget that Justy and I can see each other, in this case, I could see him but not hear him. I could see that he was gesticulating wildly, said something he thought was very clever, and then had his looking quite askance as I did not respond to it and was giving me the say something look. Say something that uh, that uh, that responds to my clever my clever words my bon mot as he likes to say, and I had no idea what he said, so I, I it was very hard to respond uh, uh, knowingly. Well, and you know because I use so much French, my bon mot was naturally on the tip of my tongue every time. So I hear you. I'll give you that. My uh, <laughs> by the way, my, my my mom and my sister and my and her family are uh, in France right now, enjoying enjoying the French. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, is there, were you invited or was this a non-Eric trip? I think I'm always able to come along if, you know, if I insert myself, but it was a, fa it was a family, it was Jill's family's trip and which they took my gotcha. mom on. Well, no, because I don't like my family, like it's hilarious. Like my brother went on a trip with my mom last year and purposely didn't tell any of us. It was just their wow, family. Wow, wow. wow. <laughs> They went on a cruise. Maybe it wasn't last year. It was a couple of years ago, and they went on a cruise. And that's fair because sometimes it's our family and theirs, whatever like that. But it's just funny. You mean sometimes because... it's your family versus theirs sometimes. Well, I'm not sure. It's sometimes. I think that's quite a yeah. bit. Of... But again, it's not really a versus. We know who wins that battle. So. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. The Jedi. <laughs> it's like when you, when you realize there's – if they perceive competition, they've already lost. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes, you know, you're in situations where uh, – you know, you can tell the other person thinks you know you're you're always winning. You're always better at something. You're always you know the the golden child. Sometimes you know sometimes, and um, you don't perceive that at all because uh, that's just nature. <laughs> that's the way Mother Nature intended it, right? Yeah, that's just that's that, life, as they say. That's the status quo. That's uh, that's the norm. That's reality. Now I have to ask you something here. So I I, I want to see if you find this as humorous as I did. So. 
I played a, I was bassoon? in a, doing one of my psych, go ahead. Oh, did you play a bassoon you were going to say? No, oh, of course I always play a bassoon and sometimes a buffoon too, but this time it was just a bassoon. <laughs> and, uh, I was playing, uh, Nirvana in a ride that I had and it was on the so bassoon? weird. Wait, on the, Eric, you know, I'm very talented. Come on, oh, yeah. please right, stop. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're All making right. yourself sound almost foolish. Yeah. Please, right. please just continue. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I played Nirvana and it was so funny because one of the younger ladies in the audience goes, I know, and she comes up to me afterwards and she goes, I know where I heard that song. And I'm like, where? Friends. She did, had never heard of Nirvana, but they played that song in a Friends episode. That's like, uh, what? Like Nirvana seems so quintessential. It's like U2, like you should have heard it at some point in your life besides well, seeing it on a TV show. You mentioned U2 and I heard some girl was just saying, um, you know, she'd never heard of U2 and then somehow she heard Beautiful Day. Which, great song, you know, which is a great song, but it's not. It's not, you know, it's certainly not old. You two, I mean, I guess no. it's it's old at this point. Two thousands, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the for her first experience, and she's like, uh, "Yeah, I think they're overrated." <laughs> like, all right. Well, the good news is they're laughing all the way to the bank, so it, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. You're, is your boy boy Bono a, a billionaire at this point? I mean, I know he was in the nine hundred millions for a long time. Then I. Don't know what's happened with all the market and the COVID. And I was going to say, I, I can't imagine his value went up in this market, yeah. um, but he's still doing just fine, I think. Either way, he's, he's, in, he's in pretty good shape. I didn't mean, speaking of, there, well, there was that crazy story about how, you know, in his uh, his building on, on Central Park West, um, one of those several buildings with the, uh, the two towers on top of them, you know, that are residences. Yeah. Uh, I get the, the other one that's on their building was owned by your boy Bruce Willis and, and his then girl Demi Moore. Oh, cool. During the divorce, um, he let her keep the the you know the penthouse. Oh, what a nice guy! Yeah, well, particularly because when they bought it, it was like it was about twenty something million. Maybe, and uh, last I heard, uh, both hers and and Bono's were worth about seventy five million. Just because oh, of, easily, know, yeah, just because New York real estate. But here, the, but I, what I was bringing up is just sort of the differences in rock hierarchies. Um, they were they because of the the way the building is, um, smoke coming from chimneys, like from the fireplaces of other residents. Okay, would come up, you know, from the lower floors up the chimneys and then enter their you know their palatial homes on on top of the buildings. <laughs> so they got injunctions against the rest of the building. Um, so they could burn, but no one else could. Yes. And specifically, oh, it nice. just sort of sort of showed rock hierarchy because you know Demi, of course, but but Bono, you know, gets to have his fire, gets to stop everyone else. Down on the second floor is uh, uh, '80s rock star Billy Squire. <laughs> so that is awesome. You got to be bigger than Billy Squire if you want to have a, keep the fire. Uh, I, I don't mean to be rude here, but I'm not so sure that's a hard thing to do. But all right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Billy, hey, we'd love to have yeah, you on, though. We'd Billy, love yeah, to hear. If you're listening, please, please join us. We're, I, I can't speak for Jesse, but uh, uh, we're on your side. And, um, you know, <laughs> we, we love you, too. But uh, but we, you know, we, we, we hate discrimination. We hate to, we hate seeing the, 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 the man being held down. And uh, no one's more of a man than Billy Squire. Again, I'm not so sure I agree with that. But. On that note, Eric, I want to say thank you for another fantastic episode. We covered quite a bit today, had a ton of fun, and uh, thank you, my friend. 
Yeah, and didn't mention that this is episode 210, 210. I mean, it's very, it's, you know, this, this is the last time until we get to, I guess, uh, 3,210 that we'll be able to just count down the numbers. So uh, to sign off, I'll just say two, one, zero.